morning. Good morning, my mic. Good morning, I'm here. Welcome. I want to read something over you. So Galatians 5.1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So we are going to sing and proclaim just the freedom that God has for us to walk in this morning. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for wanting a free life for us, God, but that you offer us to be able to choose that in you, Jesus. You are invitational. You are so good and faithful. So God, I just pray that we would choose to walk in your freedom this morning. Thank you, God. We honor you. We love you. We praise you, God, during this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. 
trust in you. This is the time in our service where we kind of pause and talk about worshiping God through our giving. And I guess I'm just really impacted thinking about, am I trusting God in all areas of my life? good and faithful. And we often talk about that it's not when it even looks or feels like it should, but just knowing that he is, that he is true to his word. And we are about to sing about who he is as our foundation. And I thought about reading all of this just in this um, offering time because it is so awesome that he is our firm foundation the rock that we stand on when everything around is shaken that I've never been more glad to put my faith to put my trust to put my hope in Jesus because he's never let me down he's faithful through generations so why would he fail now and we talk about that because just like in the Old Testament where, can you imagine sitting for all of the reading of the law? And I can't even imagine, I know that took hours and hours, sun up to sundown, but we recall these things to remember God's faithfulness, to, to stir up our faith in times like this, to know that um, he is the reason that we come. He is the reason that we worship through our song, through our prayer, through our giving, And so I hope that this time is just another reminder for us and a call for us to worship him just with our whole hearts. And that if our foundation is on anything other than him, that we would ask God, help me to put my foundation on you where it will not fail. No matter what comes, it will not fail because it is solid. He is the one, my friends, right? He is the one that never changes. So let's build our foundation on him. So I just want to invite you, whether you would like to come forward um, with the buckets that we have up here for offering, whether you give online or in the back, just however um, the ways that we give. This is just our response, just another response in worship to give him um, back what he has so freely given to us. And, um, and so let's just worship him just in this time. Thank you, Jesus. 
you are faithful. Even when we don't feel it, God, we just know it's who you are, God. And Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. Oh, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So Shut up.
We all speak up a little bit. <clears throat> Thank you, worship team. Uh, just one thing I want to share with you. It's on my heart this morning. Thank you for the ability to tell God how I feel about Him. It's what worship is. Sometimes I can't come up with those words. I, but boy, when I come in here and we have songs like Honey in the Rock, Everything You Need, I Got, He's Got, He Is What I Need. Those are such encouraging words for me to say back to him. When I'm facing a difficult situation in my life, I'm speaking words over myself when I sing these songs. So the benefit of being here during worship, of course, is uh, it fills us up, pleases God, and it also gives us an opportunity to get empty and then get refilled. Hallelujah. Um, Y'all can be seated if you want. Greg, you want to come on up? Um, Greenfield. Uh, we have uh, Welcome to Victory Life. If it's your first time, welcome to Victory Life if it's your hundredth time, okay? Uh, for those of y'all that don't know, we're a multi uh, campus church. Our home church is in Durant. Uh, we have several uh, satellite churches. We're all one family. 
That's pretty awesome. We do an annual event called Jubilee, and that's what brings us all back together under one roof when it's possible. Uh, but in the spirit, we're one family, and through the opportunity of technology, we get to have a video presentation. Uh, we get live stream. We get uh, our campus pastor is Pastor Steve. This is Pam, Steve's wife. Uh, Brent and him are gone uh, today, so uh, um, I'm kind of emceeing just a little bit. Pam's going to do some announcements, and then just to prep everyone, we are going to have a break, and then last week, we took the video feed from Pastor Backus, Zach Backus up here, and now today, he's here in person, so... You know, uh, God speaks in many ways. He uses every tool that he can to get to us. And uh, sometimes it's that written word. Sometimes it's that encouraging word. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a movie. But when something uh, is impressed on our heart, one of the best things about that is to be able to share that. And this morning, uh, last service... um, Greg had something that really spoke to him through the message, and he wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to hand him the mic. This is not going to be easy for me. Um, so just be patient with me. Um, these last two messages we've heard are, they're tough. They're, but they're needed because we can't stay where we're at. We can't continue to be fed with just milk. We have to mature and and become meat eaters. And so when Pastor Lee came and, and he talked about um, loving your enemies, um, that, that's tough, but Jesus commanded us to do that. And so I could take that and, and I could rationalize that. And then last week, Pastor Zach came and, and he talked about Judas and, and leaving a chair there for Judas. And how many of us here, I know I have, how many of us here have had a Judas in our life at some time? Pretty much everybody. Okay, now don't raise your hands on this. How many of you have been a Judas? I have. My best friend in the whole world. I betrayed them. I lied. And I've asked for forgiveness and I think they have forgiven me, but it's going to take a long time to earn that trust back. And so the message that he gave affected me in three different areas. Number one, I've been a Judas to someone that I care more about than just about anybody. Number two, I need to apologize to each and every one here and ask for your forgiveness because I've been a Judas to this church. Pastor Zach said he can't come in from the outside. He has to have an inside man. And that's me. Not in that I caused any strife within people here, but but in a way that, that I was murmuring and not preparing myself for what God had for me. And Jesus says, let those who have ears to hear, hear. 
And then thirdly, I've been a Judas to myself. And that's probably the, the hardest thing because I can come in and I can get the coffee ready and I can be a host at the door and put my smile on. But I wasn't preparing my heart for what God had for me because of the murmuring. And I would be back there and I would be playing on my phone or or I've been playing golf with some buddies of mine from high school and I was looking for golf shoes and not not preparing myself for what God has for me. And God has something for you every time you walk through those doors. So last week I, I wanted to speak, but and I crept up to the edge of my seat and then Pastor Steve said, let me pray for us. And he walked through the doors and I was thinking, man, I missed, I missed an opportunity. I missed my time. And um, as the week went on, I thought, well, I'm just going to, I don't like getting in front of everybody. I like to be the clown and cut up and everything, but I don't like to get up and speak in front of everybody when they can see my emotions and, and my feelings. That's, I'm guarded in that way. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to stand up on Wednesday night and just share because it's a smaller group. And then I got a an email from Pam that said Pastor Zach is going to be here today and that was my confirmation that no I'm going to obey what the Holy Spirit has I'm going to speak today he was supposed to be in Stillwater today and something happened and he's here and it's not an accident it's not a coincidence it's God and it's the Holy Spirit And so if any of you guys have been a Judas in some way and you need prayer, I'm sure Pastor Zach would be glad to pray with you. Miss Yvonne is awesome. You can come to me and I don't have to know anything about what you're going through. He knows. I don't have to know. And so again, I just want to, I told Pastor Zach, thank you for the message and for being obedient. And um. I just want to thank him again for that. And um, I'm sorry, I'm up here blubbering. And I just want to end this and, and just say thank you guys. All right. Well, how about we just uh, bow our heads and pray and let's just seal that deal that God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances. Whatever we failed at, he never fails. And uh, the blood of Jesus will cover anything and uh, our part is just to repent, be honest, and come before God with a need. Tell Him who we are, what we've done. Ask Him to forgive us, and then thank Him for that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Father, I thank You. I bless You. Bless this service. I ask that You anoint the rest of our service. I'm Pam, you want to come on up and do the announcements, and then we're going to take a short break. And... We'll get Pastor Bacchus up here. This is probably the angel of our service right here. So here she comes. Greg, where are you? I don't have my glasses on. There you are. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That is that message also spoke to me. Man, we've I've been both. But in, in ministry, though, we boy, we've been on the receiving end of, of some Judases that were 
not fun to deal with. And the Lord told me early on in our ministry, and we've we've been married almost 34 years and in ministry almost that whole time. And um, he told, I just told him, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'll keep going to church and I'll support Steve as pastor, but don't ask me to do anything anymore with people. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And he told me, okay, you're still mine and you can do that if you want to, but you'll never be able to do anything that I want to do through you if you are going to cut yourself off in that way. And I was like, okay, yes, sir. Sorry. <laughs> so um, that's that's awesome, Greg. Um, okay, so just a few announcements. The Heart Project, uh, Project Heart, I got it backwards, um, is our senior, Chandler Seniors meal delivery. Uh, there's a calendar outside on the uh, message board. Just fill in whatever day you'd like to deliver. Uh, the details are out there. They're also on the flow page. Um, I'm going to be doing a women's Bible study. Um, and here's the books we're using. If you want to come, it's going to be on Monday mornings. And um, this is the book you'll need. They have them at Mardell's right now for cheaper than you can get them anywhere else. So 12 bucks for this workbook. And just come see me for more details. Also, uh, tonight um, at 6 o'clock is our first meeting of our 10 to 14-year-old life group. They're having their own life group, 10 to 14-year-olds. So be here at 6 o'clock. I'm pretty sure there's going to be pizza. And Logan and Haley are going to be taking this group and um, growing them up in the Lord. And um, be sure to check the flow page for Men of Valor, which is, comes first, and then Her Virtue. Uh, Sign-ups, that's 12 to 18-year-old girls and boys separated. Um, anyway, check those out. Get your registration done because the boys' registration ends pretty quickly. Um, so you got five minutes. Take a break. Get some more coffee. Say hello to somebody. Welcome again. I am Juliet. I'm the worship pastor here. It is good to have you guys here today. And we are privileged to be able to hear from Pastor Zach um, from our central campus today. So who's ready? Are you all ready? Woo, woo, woo. All right. We're ready for you, Pastor Zach. It's good. Amen. Well, we're so excited to be with you today. Uh, I'm Zach. This is my wife, Serena. And uh, this is our first time to get to come to the Chandler campus. It's actually the only campus in Victory Life I haven't been to. Uh, so now I get to check it off the list. And, uh, oh, praise God. It's me. Amen. Uh, if we could borrow the handheld for just a minute. Serena saw something in worship that I, that I wanted to speak over you guys. And uh, we'll just pray into it. And I have no idea what I'm going to preach on. So we're going to have a good time today and just uh, follow the Holy Spirit where he wants to go. Uh, such a blessing to have the kids with us. Uh, I think I saw some of you at camp and uh, glad to see you back again. You, yeah, you look familiar to me. So uh, anyways, you want to share with them what you what you felt? Absolutely. Uh, I'll before um, during worship and then just to honor Greg, because I know that vulnerability and what that does in shame dies in safe spaces. And whenever you're a safe space, people that feel like 
they have something that otherwise could be condemnation or feel pressing, it allows for freedom. And you don't just say where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom without creating a space in the spirit where people feel free to share. And so thank you for that. Um, what I saw in, in almost during worship in the spirit, and I'll leave this for you, and um, is... I saw a couple of things, and I had a few conversations in the foyer. I love to to know about the city. Zach and I both were um, we're a ministry team, so usually if he's ministering, I'm ministering together. That's how we do life, and we love that together. And so I love to get a feel, a climate, if you will, of the environment of a city. And so I was just asking a few questions. And so I know that you have a lot of churches. I know that in the natural. But what I felt in the spirit during worship is I saw this picture, and I, I saw a flagpole. And um, I felt the Lord say, people from this congregation are grabbing hold of the flagpole. And I saw, if you will, I know it can sound silly, but um, almost at the top of this flagpole, uh, people holding on to this pole. And I felt the Lord say, you have to love his presence more than your own comfort. And so you grabbed a hold of what, if you will, in the spirit was his presence, the flagpole. And um, your body almost was just blowing in the wind. Because when you're holding on to the presence of God, there's not a lot of other things that are stabilizing, right? You blow. And then I felt the Lord say that you are becoming a place of, um, of safety, not just for your congregation, but for the city. Pastor Pam, that's your word. And you'll have to let Pastor Steve know. I felt I saw as you hold, held on to this flagpole, other people from other congregations grabbed your shirts And they also were blowing in the wind. And I felt that um, almost in the next year, the next year to come, very strongly that there were going to be other churches that were at a point to say, we've done all that we can do to grow and to expand, but we see that you have fruit. Because there's a difference between being productive and being fruitful. And so I felt him say that you are fruitful people because you're grabbing a hold of the presence of the Lord and people will be um, almost just drawn into here, drawn in through your life that they grab a hold of you as you grab a hold of the presence of God. And over this city, I saw by the spirit, this flag blowing but it was made up of people that otherwise were not connected, that had no similarities, but were connected through the presence of the Lord, through this place of safety. And so today even, I don't know what your services normally feel like or what you happen, but even Greg opening with that type of vulnerability to me is almost a stake in the ground to say we are a house of safety because we've grabbed a hold of the presence. And in this space, in this area shame dies and because of that your doors are wide open to other people that wouldn't have a place to be safe and so if you receive that yes do we receive that I want to speak over you father in the name of Jesus I thank you that this is a safe place and it's not because of us but we are empowered through your Holy Spirit and we are here to make a difference in our home in our city 
in our schools, in our world. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have empowered us, emboldened us. I thank you that this is a place full of bold people, that there is this tenacity of the Holy Spirit. I thank you right now that there's a stirring. Even if you feel dry, if you feel tired, I thank you right now um, in just the name of Jesus that there's a stirring. There's a jumping on the inside of you of things that have been dormant. If you've been here your entire life and you say that can never happen, I thank you right now, Father, that you're planting seeds of hope. That Chandler is not a place that it's always been. Today is a new day. And it's not because of our ability and our own strength. It's because of you, Holy Spirit, stirring the waters of this town. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're stirring vision for this town. I thank you for a spirit of unity in this town. Where there is unity, there is a commanded blessing. Where there is unity, businesses will seek out new adventures. I thank you that this is a place so unified by your Holy Spirit that you're tearing down walls of denominations, that this is an interdenominational place, that this is a place unlike every other place that, that um, exists in this world, that there's something that is stirring in this city, in the heart of this city, that begun, it's almost like a well, a wellspring, that by the Spirit, you're tapping into that well of the Spirit that starts an overflow, that starts abundance. There is enough here. There is enough space for people. There is enough resources. There is not a lack in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a new um, creative ideas. I thank you that kingdom-minded people are tapped into the resources of heaven, that there is not an excuse of we don't have enough. I thank you that you're shifting mindsets now, that there are creative people in this room. No more victimization of we don't have enough. I thank you, the Lord says, if you need, if you see a need and you're not sure where it comes from, you may be the person carrying the thing that that is for that need. And so I thank you for solutionaries, kingdom-minded solutionaries in this room that are activated. I thank you for young adults, even tonight, we speak over that meeting, that this is a fresh wave of something new. I thank you for discipleship. I thank you for Logan and Haley as they lead, that they're not just leading children. They are leading disciples that are here to make a difference. And I thank you by the Holy Spirit right now. I call an activation on those young adults, that there is something that is planted in their hearts that will bear fruit in its season. Their leaves would not wither because they are connected to you, Jesus, which is the wellspring which is the life source. I thank you for an excitement like there's never been in this place, a fresh eye to see something new. And I thank you for dreamers arising that have a vision for this city and by your Holy Spirit will begin to see things that they never thought possible in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't know how to turn this off. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Wow, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to the next two hours that we have together today. Uh, It's going to be really, really impactful. We will break for lunch. We're catering something, and then we'll come back in and have another two hours. And uh, it's just going to be a full day of church, which is what I know everybody was wanting when they woke up this morning. So it's going to be good. Uh, I'm trying to piece together... Uh, you know, I, I just really believe that uh, the proverb says that uh, a word in season that comes to us in our life is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. How many of you know it's a beautiful thing? Yes. And we're always looking for an in-season word, Serena and I together, is what's God doing in this particular 
season. And the beautiful thing is that, uh, as was made mention during the transition time, is that we're one church in multiple locations. So I've been this morning praying and, Lord, what's the word, you know, in season for Chandler? And I feel like uh, Serena prophetically spoke that prophetic word in season. But I'm responsible for the teaching today. And the Lord just putting in my heart something that I preached uh, a couple Sundays in Durant. And he said, well, this is a, a part of a word that's in season for our whole church. Uh, so I'm excited. Uh, it won't be exactly the same. It never is. Uh, we've got multiple services in Durant. And when I speak, it's uh, always beneficial to come to both because it's like part one and part two. Uh, but I think we're going to go to John uh, chapter six. And uh, we'll just, we'll just uh, follow the Lord there. How many of you know that Jesus is playful? Some of you didn't know that. Jesus is, Jesus is playful. Um, Jesus uh, delights in us discovering the things that he's hidden, uh, not from us, but for us. Um, you know, there's a beautiful thing at Christmas time of wrapping presents. Have you thought about that? Um, you know, why don't we just stick them under the, the tree exactly as they are in the box? Well, you know, kids probably wouldn't care because they'd come in and get excited to see everything that's under the under the tree. But from a parent perspective, uh, we like to wrap them. Why? Because we delight in seeing the kids discover what's been wrapped. Uh, our delight is in their discovery. Uh, our delight's in the concealing. Uh, not because we're trying to do anything uh, mean-spirited. It's because we delight in seeing them discover. We delight in them trying to figure out, have you ever given somebody a, a present and uh, wrapped it in a much bigger box? especially if it's something of high, of high value. And there's this kind of positive correlation a lot of times between smaller things and more valuable things. Uh, and you take something that's a, a small gift and you wrap it in a bigger box. Anybody ever given a gift and you've wrapped it like in three or four boxes? Uh, no, man, you guys, need to, you guys need to play more. All right? Uh, you've done that, right? And you open the first one and it's like another box. Inside of another box, inside of another box. Uh, or you uh, give a gift that's uh, not the gift. The gift that you give, you give it in a box that isn't the box that it came in. So it's like something really cool is in a box of something like a, you know, a toaster, which in this season of life, I get excited about toaster. Doesn't matter what it is. We just, uh, we just got a four slice toaster. We have arrived. We have prospered. Uh, and we got it for $5 at Goodwill in good working order. Uh, some of you don't like a, a used toaster, but there's nothing wrong with this toaster. It was a four slicer, uh, and that's a powerful that's a powerful thing. It really is. When you've got five kids, a four slice toaster is a powerful a powerful thing. But I believe that uh, God. The proverb says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. And I think that there's this beautiful reality that God conceals things not not uh, from from us, but for us. And there's a beautiful walk of the Lord of getting into the, into the scriptures. How many of you know that the primary way that you're supposed to read the Bible is not you read it, but it read you? We get in the scriptures not so that we can read them, but so that they can read us. Uh, we get into the things of the Spirit and the life-giving voice of God. How many of you are thankful for the speaking voice of God through the Holy Scriptures? I'm thankful for the speaking voice of God through the Holy Scriptures. But how many of you know that Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think it's in them that you have eternal life, but they are them that testify of me and you won't come to me so that you might have 
life. Did you know that the point of the Bible is actually to put you into relationship with the author? And the only way to come to the scriptures correctly is if you come to them looking for Jesus. If you come to the scriptures looking to justify your opinion. Or if you come to the scripture looking to prove your point of doctrine. How many of you know that you might have the Jesus of the Bible show up and say, You search the scriptures to validate yourselves, but they are them that elevate me. And you won't come to me so that you might have life. Eternal life. A lot of believers are uh, confused on things, not because they're confusing, but because they're concealed. And they're not concealed because God wants to hide something from you. They're concealed because he wants to hide something for you. I've never hidden a gift from my kids because it wasn't for them. I hid it for them because there was a time that was set for them to discover what that thing was. Was How many of you believe that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no deviation or change or shadow of turning? Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Father give good gifts to his children? In one, uh, in one context, in another uh, of the Gospels, it says that how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. I believe God is a gift-giving God. I believe God is a good father. And I believe that the best gifts are the ones that we conceal so that it can be a very, a, a very beautiful surprise. Whoa, praise God. That's some of the, the playfulness. Some of you were drifting asleep. My voice, my, my voice I know is like honey and it's just putting some of you slowly asleep. So uh, you have to hit a little pop to, to wake up, but Uh, God doesn't conceal anything from us. He conceals things for us. And there's this beautiful adventure of partnering with the Lord to say, God, what do you want to show me through your word today? How many of you know that our mission as a church is to see people transformed by Jesus? We exist as Victory Life Church to see people transformed by Jesus. And I love the beautiful transforming work of God that he does in people's relationships. How many of you have experienced relational healing at the hands of Jesus, a healing in your, in, in your uh, parent-child relationship, grandparent-grandchildren. How many of you have experienced restoration in your marriage because of Jesus and his transforming work? How many of you have experienced a, a transformation of your physical body, physical healing that God has brought to you and, and by the working of his wonderful Holy Spirit? I love that Jesus wants to transform our realities. But did you know Jesus can't transform your realities until he transforms your perceptions? This is uh, what we like to preach the fire out of as, as, uh, as preachers is uh, Romans 12.2. You know 12.2, don't you? Okay. I'm not going to quiz you on it. I'm just asking you if you know it. You'll know it when I quote it, all right? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind... And by doing that, you'll be able to discern. You'll actually be able to test and approve what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of of God, what God's will is for your life. How many of you have been on this beautiful, delightful journey of discipleship that is God renewing your mind, changing the way that you think about others? You know, you can't love your enemies until you change the way you think about your enemies. You can't leave a chair open for a Judas until you change the way you think about Judas. Uh, So I see God doing something in regards to these words that are having impact on you as as a people, on you as 
family members. God's having a conversation with you that ultimately comes down to him trying to work another level of what it means to have a renewing of the mind. And it's beautiful. And most preachers, to be able to, uh, to plan the sermon the way that they want it planned, you can take a verse like Romans 12 too, and you can go a lot of different directions with it. Uh, and sometimes I've been, I've been guilty of it because like, Lord, this is really on my heart. And this verse works so great to be able to drive home this revelation that you've given me of this thing. But when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of Romans 12 too, you can't have 12 too without 12 1. And that's the one that's a little bit uh, least uh, likely to have the fire preached out of it because it feels like fire when you preach it. <laughs> Romans 12.1 says this. Romans 12.1 says this. Therefore, brethren and sistren, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy, which is your spiritual worship, or some translations say your reasonable service. And... Two now, 12 two. And don't be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to submit to you today that you can't experience mind renewal without becoming a living sacrifice. The only way to have your mind changed in regards to any subject that God's working with you on, any reality that you're needing a touch from the Lord in, you don't get transformation without surrender. You don't get the experience of your mind becoming renewed without giving the Lord your entire body. Your body is a living sacrifice. And it is your spiritual worship. I love, man, this campus is just blessed uh, with worship and the ability to have anointed, not just talented, but anointed people leading in in worship. Uh, And there's a difference between people that just have talent and people that have anointing to do a particular thing. And you can tell as soon as somebody opens their mouth, no matter what it is, and singing and preaching and counseling and being friendly and being hospitable, whatever it is, there's an anointing that comes from the anointed one, a grace gift that's on the inside of different people. And there's a draw associated with it. And there's not just the ability to say, man, that was a pretty song, but they sing about freedom and freedom starts happening in the room. They preach about freedom and demons start manifesting in people's hearts and in people's lives. Uh, And they manifest so that they can be dealt with because God wills freedom. And I won't teach on deliverance, even though it would keep you a lot more engaged if I did. But we're going to talk about what God wants to do in the real deliverance that we all need, which is deliverance from our flesh. Did you know you can't cast out the flesh? I've tried. It, It tends to stick with you a little bit. You know, your flesh isn't supposed to be modified. It's supposed to be crucified. There's all this behavior modification in the world today and it's crept into the church and there's a lot of people that are living far short of their Holy Spirit potential and genuine discipleship to the Lord Jesus and are craving the presence and power of God in their life and the thing that's holding them back is the idolatry to their personality. Well, you know, I can't be used as an evangelist because I'm an introvert. That's just not my gift. Did you know being a witness of Jesus is not a great gift? It's a part of the great command, the great commission. Go into all the world. He didn't say, unless you're introverted. The end of the gospel of Mark says, this will be the signs. 
that accompany those that believe in me, they will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The original Greek doesn't say if they're called to full-time ministry. If they have a doctorate of theology. Those that have the correct understanding of the original manuscripts, these will be the ones that supernatural signs will accompany them. And this is where the squirm starts happening. (laughs) The spiritual squirm. Well, pastor, you know, this is your first time to visit Chandler, and if you keep talking this way, then we won't have you back. (laughs) Not true. Not true. true. Trying to play with you this morning. God wants to transform your realities, and I would submit to you even farther, God doesn't want to just transform your realities. God wants to make you an agent of transformation everywhere that you go. But you won't get there unless you change the way that you think. And what do you have to change the way that you think about everything? About him, about you, about your last name. Well, mom and daddy taught me this. Well, I got good news for you. Sometimes the most wrong people in the world are mom and daddy. And that should be gospel for some of you guys. Because some of the things that you grew up believing about yourself came from the mouth of daddy and not the father. And the father might have something different to say about you than daddy had to say about you. Well, grandmama always told me this. Well, good news. Sometimes grandmama's wrong. And just because people are older doesn't mean that they're righter. And just because people are younger doesn't mean that they know better. How many of you know that what God has to say is the most truthful thing about any situation, any circumstance, all the time? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not, I have good advice for you. Jesus doesn't bring us advice on how to supplement certain areas of our life. Jesus is not an additive to our life. Jesus doesn't present some 12 rules for life that you could take or follow or not follow. No, that's philosophy. Jesus didn't come to present a philosophy. Jesus didn't even necessarily come to form a religion, even though that's what it became. Jesus came to reveal the truth on which the entire cosmos were founded. Jesus came to reveal the way that the universe is designed and came to reveal the truth of what every human being has the potential to experience. And the beautiful thing about it is this, is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can I be honest with you today? Most Christians are just content to be forgiven. They're not hungering for what it means to live a life of glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Well, God, I just need you to forgive me. Well, Jesus said, I've actually concealed something more. Not just forgiveness, but for you to be able to walk in glory, in my nature, in my name, revealing what I am and what I'm like to the world. Not just the preacher, not just the intercessor, not just the prophet, but you have the ability to reveal the God of heaven everywhere that you go. But the problem is, we think we know ourselves better than God knows us. I love the song that we sing, Juliet, sometimes. It says this, the one that knows me best is the one that loves me most. And you talk about walking in the glory of God. You talk about walking in the nature of the Lord and in the power of God. And 
being an agent of transformation everywhere that you go. And there's people that grew up in certain Christian circles and they can hear the preacher's voice in their head say, well, be careful, brother, when you act that way, when you talk that way, when you share that testimony, because you can steal the glory of God. You don't want to steal God's glory. You don't want to take credit for something that God's doing. Did you know that Jesus actually said to his disciples in his high priestly prayer that the glory that was given to him by the Father, he's given to you. I just believe it's impossible to steal something that God's given to you freely. I believe we can receive it. I believe we can discover it. I believe that we can unpack it, but I believe that God wants to transform every aspect of our life and God wants to transform the way that we think about everything in our life. But how many of you know we don't get there without surrender? And I love what came into Juliet's heart this morning. That stir of, man, God, there's another level of trust. There's another level of trust today. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Raise your hand. All right, those of you that are not raising your hand, we're going to do an altar call at the end so that you can get saved. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Okay. You believe that He came to the earth and lived a perfect life. You believe that He's coming again. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Oh, praise God, we are. We are. And I'll, I haven't said anything controversial yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, believe that. Did you know that everything that I just asked you, if you believe, did you know that the devil believes every single line that I just asked? The devil believes that Jesus is the son of God. The devil definitely believes that he's coming again. Nobody believes that more than the devil. I might've said some of that last week, but how many of you know that the devil does not believe in Jesus? And there's a huge difference between believing that Jesus is who he says he is and believing in Jesus. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I won't be so glad that I put my faith in Jesus. A life of discipleship, a life of saying, God, I want to see you transform every aspect of my life, including my personality if you need to. I want you to transform me to the place that I become an agent of transformation in the people around me. How many of you know that for that can only happen if you discover that there's a power and a beauty in you no longer living, but in the words of the Apostle Paul, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Did you know there's different categories of believers There sure are. Uh, We'll look at some in John chapter 6, but while I'm in this flow of going in a direction I didn't know I was going to go, let's look at John chapter 8. You know this. This is the parable of the sower, if I'm in the right place. Uh, No, sorry, Luke 8. Let's go to Luke 8. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to keep you on your toes this morning. We've got plenty of time because i still got an hour and a half, so this is going to be awesome. Luke chapter 8. Let's look at the parable of the farmer scattering seed. I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation just because I like it. It's easy to read. And uh, there's sometimes I just don't want to think about it too hard. I just like the New Living because it just tells it like it is. One day Jesus, or Luke, uh, Luke 8, 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A, father, a farmer went out to plant his seeds. 
And as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as, as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Let's pause there just for a minute. How many of you consider yourself not just a convert, but a disciple of Jesus? Now we can do a, we can do a, uh, we'll have to jump over to, to, uh, to John 6 uh, and talk about some of the qualifying factors in regards to not just being someone that has said, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. See, it's impossible to be a disciple if you live a life of only believing that's. Discipleships don't just believe, disciples don't just believe that, they believe in. Their life has become founded in Jesus. They are imperfectly, every disciple that I've ever met is imperfect. They're imperfectly, but every fiber of their being is desiring to walk in what Paul said, that it's in Christ that we live and move and have our very being. Jesus is not just number one on the list. He is the list. That's the problem with people saying, get your priorities right. Make Jesus number one. Well, my whole problem with that is is that Jesus is number one. There's something else on the list with him. And the last time I checked, there's nothing worthy to be on the list with Jesus. There's Jesus and what it means to live a life under his lordship. And it's in him that all the other things in my life find their place. Jesus and his life is the context as disciples that we're supposed to be living our lives in. So it means that my parenting has to fit inside of Jesus's life. And if my parenting won't fit inside of Jesus's life, my parenting has to change if I'm a disciple. But this is how mom and daddy did it. Well, I don't care. Is it how Jesus is telling you to do it? So this is the rub. This is where it comes from. Because at the end of the day, we want to experience transformation. We want to see the fruit of the kingdom of God. But many of us are not okay with actually letting the seed get buried down in us to the level that it's supposed to be. Did you know that God uses people to give us sound wisdom and sound instruction and guidance? But did you know what Jesus has to say about what you do with your money is not the same thing as what Dave Ramsey has to say about what you do with your money? Now, for you, if Jesus leads you to follow Ramsey, praise God. But I'm here to tell you that the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is superior to the voice of Dave Ramsey concerning your finances. Did you know Jesus is the king of the universe? Did you know Jesus doesn't get there by election? And Jesus doesn't have any term limits. Praise God that there's somebody on the throne that's not Joe Biden. Right? Did you also know that Donald Trump is not the savior of America? Did you know that Jesus is the savior of the world? And do you know that what Jesus has to say about America is way more truthful than any tweet that Trump tweets? 
See, my politics has to fit inside of Jesus. And this is why they killed Jesus, because they couldn't peg him down. I believe Jesus has got a nail in his left hand and his right hand because the left and the right Pope put it there. Because the kingdom of God is not a left or a right thing. It's an up or down thing. Jesus takes it and takes it off of the two-dimensional playing field. This is the Pharisees come and they say, Jesus, whose fault is it that this guy's blind? Is it his parents' sin or his sin? Because we know that sin causes sickness in the world. This is what the religious people are trying to get on to Jesus about. And they demand an answer. They try to pin Jesus into a left or a right issue, A or B. Jesus, tell us, whose sin is this? Whose fault is it that this devastation is in the world? Give us a people group to blame. Show us if it's this guy's sin or his parents' sin because we know, because we know the law and because we know the letter and because we know the way that God works that it's got to be somebody. So Jesus, let's put you in a box Let's get you to fit right up here in this box that I carry around on my shoulders instead of having it be renewed and not conform to the ways of the world. And religion is one of the biggest ways of the world. And because they sought the scripture for eternal life, because they thought it was in that that they were going to have eternal life, in the scrolls of the old covenant that they'd have eternal life, that the one that inspired the writing of the law in flesh standing in front of them, they could not receive him, they could not see him because he did not fit in their box. So Jesus, tell us, whose fault is it that this guy's blind? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, none of the above. Because the kingdom of God isn't a left or right thing. The kingdom of God is not an old person thing or a young person thing. The kingdom of God is not a liberal or conservative thing. The kingdom of God is an up and down thing. It exists outside. And don't get me wrong, if you actually live a life in the kingdom, you'll have plenty of truth in regards to the way that you vote. You'll have plenty of truth and discernment in regards to how you lead your family and what you do with your money. But I'm here to tell you that all of those things have to fit inside of the life of Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're seeking. Jesus is the one that our hope is in. And Jesus tells the people that are asking, demanding, whose fault is it that this devastation is happening in this guy's life? And Jesus says, no, none of the above. This guy's actually born this way so that the glory of God can be revealed. And the kingdom comes in a way that the people didn't have a box for. Do you know why? Because it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search it out. Man, I love whenever Jesus blows up my box. How about you? I love whenever Jesus moves and speaks in a way that I would have never expected. And I love whenever Jesus reveals such a thing to me that I go back and I look at this and I say, oh, God, that's what you were trying to tell me the whole time. Because my faith is in him. Not my ability to understand him. Not my ability to memorize this. And my faith is definitely not in my experience. My faith is in him. My trust is in him. And there's different categories of believers in the church today. I believe that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're, you're a believer, sure. But I believe that God is after the original commission, which was for us to go into all the world and not just make believers, but to make disciples. And you can't make disciples without challenging what their faith is in, what their hope is in, founded on. 
So you know this. Look at this beautiful thing in, in Luke 8.10. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. Did you know that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have access to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God? But for the religious Christians, they're content with just saying, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's such a, be- that's such a beautiful song too, right? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, my problem with saying that you're just a sinner saved by grace is the same way of saying that you're a saved person, but that you're drowning. If I come, is there a lake around here somewhere? What's the name of the lake that's around here? Okay, Bell Cow Chandler Lake. If you're in that lake and you're drowning, I pull up in a bass boat and I get you out and I get all the water out of you and I put you and I, we go up to the shore and I sit you on the dry land and I tell you to start walking and you keep flopping around on the ground like you were when you were drowning in the lake, do you know that you don't have a salvation problem anymore? You have a mental problem. I believe some of us were so traumatized in our sin, and some of us are better sinners than others, but how many of you know, no matter how good your sin was, the Savior's gooder, and he saved you, and he washed you, and he cleansed you, and there might be things that you've done that you think, if anybody really knew about this, I know God's forgiven me, but I got to remain humble because I'm capable of such bad, and I'm here to tell you, you should put no confidence in the flesh. You should not trust your flesh at all, but I'm here to tell you that the majority of Christians I meet with in my office for pastoral counseling are so convinced about the bad that they're able to do that they have lived their whole life impressed and intimidated by why the enemy's a- what the enemy's able to do through them that they have no capacity to fully believe the good that they're capable of and the power that's able to be released through their life. The majority of Christians that I talk to can tell me in two minutes what the devil's telling them. They can't tell me what God's telling them. Christians I meet with week after week. Brother Zach, the devil's been after me all week. He's reminding me that I failed 15 years ago. And he's telling me I'm not measuring up as a husband and a father at home. And man, the devil's just been on me. He's been hitting me with insecurity. He's been coming at me with sickness. You know, most of the time Christians are better at testifying of what the devil's doing than what God's doing. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, this should not be the case. I don't give a rip what the devil's doing. Last time I heard, he was stripped of all power and authority. Jesus, before his ascension, said, all power on authority, on heaven and earth has been given to me. And I'm giving it to you. But I'm just a sinner (laughs) saved by grace. How many of you know Victor Life Chandler? We believe that, yes, we were sinners saved by grace. But we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And we have an inheritance now with the saints in light and that Jesus is not just our savior, he's our Lord and he's our elder brother and we've been grafted into the family of God and what that means is is that yes, I was a sinner but I've been saved by grace and now I am a part of a nation of royal priests that God has made me worthy. God has made me blameless. God has made me the very righteousness of God in Christ that God is forever pleased at me. And when he looks at me, what he sees is I look just like his oldest boy, Jesus, who happens to look just like his dad. If God had your picture in his wallet, and he does, he'd be at a party, he'd be taken out, he'd be showing everybody at the party. He said, don't I look just like this kid? This kid looks just like me. 
And if you don't believe that, you need to put your faith in Jesus. I believe that you believe that you were bad enough for Jesus to take pity on and save. But I don't believe that you believe in the Christ that's currently at work in you. And I don't believe that you believe how big the work in you he's actually doing and how big the work is that he actually wants to release around you. I believe that you currently, if you've put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus, you look exactly like your dad. Now, the way you live is important because, you know, if you go around acting like a jerk, you don't stop looking like your dad. You just make your dad look like a jerk. You never stop looking like your dad. You never stop looking like Jesus. That's the other thing Christians are deceived about. They think they can ignore him and he'll go away. No, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. So when you rattle your glass of tea at the waitress because she's not coming fast enough for you, you just, you just got to showcase what Jesus is like. You don't stop looking like him. You always look like him. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You made the decision to believe in him, but now we have the job to represent him, don't we? And if we'll just cooperate with, with the work that he's already doing on the inside of us. One of the most encouraging verses in the whole Bible to me is out of the book of Philippians. It says this, that currently it's God at work in you. See, when you believe in Jesus, it's impossible to stop believing, to start to, to try to, to stop believing that he's currently at work in you. Philippians says that right now God's at work in you, giving you both the power and the desire to do that which pleases him. That means that God's only limitation in your life is your lack of cooperation. I just need to cooperate with what God's already doing in me. Did you know that's good news? That's grace. That you can't do it, but that God in you has done a work, is doing a work. And if you'll make a decision to go on the playful journey every day of discipleship, which is discovering what gift God's already wrapping in your heart and to open it and use it, man, you'll experience the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But there's different categories of believers. And Jesus talks about this. Number one thing you've got to believe is that you're permitted to understand the kingdom of God. And you're permitted to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. You're permitted to unwrap the things that God has concealed, not from you, before you. Wow. That's powerful. Do you believe this? Amen. I only need 12 to believe. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. And he said, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom. He says, I teach in parables to others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't understand. Did you know the world doesn't see and doesn't understand? But for those of us that are following Jesus, we see and understand. Look at verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from, being, from believing and being saved. How many of you remember that time in life? Being around truth, but it never get in you. Yeah, that's called being lost. Listen to this. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Would you classify that as a believer or an unbeliever? Not a, not a trick question. Not supposed to be. Those who hear the message and receive it with joy. 
believer. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Let me add a prophetic word to Serena's prophetic word at the beginning of service. Victory Life Chandler, I believe by the Spirit that you are honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and will patiently produce a huge harvest. Do you receive that? Did you know that your job isn't to put God on a timeline? It's just your job to keep your heart right in the meantime? You say, well, I've been in this word every day and I'm not seeing the... Do you know it's your job to cling to it? Not examine it. Not scrutinize it. Not compare your harvest to somebody else's harvest. Do you know that to be a disciple is to stick with Jesus no matter what? You say, man, I should be on the other side of this self-control thing, but man, I, my temper got the better of me again. You know what you should do? Cling to God's word. Do you know what you should do? Stick with Jesus. When you're angry, stick with him. How many of you have been so angry before you didn't want to pray because you knew it would change the way that you felt? <laughs> And you felt justified to be angry for just a little bit longer. Did you know the beautiful thing about it? If you're a disciple, you believe that even when you don't want to do the work, it is God at work in you, giving you both the power and the desire to do that which pleases him. And if you will just confess that I don't want to do the work, Lord, but I know you're already giving me the desire to do the thing that I don't want to do, and you will cooperate with it, you will be praying and getting your happy pants on all at the same time. That's grace. That's the goodness of God. Disciples are all in. Everybody say all in. Disciples are all in with Jesus. When they're angry, they stick with him. When they're jerks, they stick with them. When they're casting devils out of people, they stick with him. When they think they got a devil, they stick with him. When they think their spouse has got a devil, they stick with him. Because did you know the only way your marriage works is if you love Jesus more than you love your spouse. Because you're married to Jesus. How many of you are excited that Jesus is coming again? Did you know the reason disciples are excited Jesus is coming again? is because they'll be face to face with him, not face to face with grandma. Oh, let me level with you really quickly. I'm telling you the truth. There are some people in the body of Christ today that Jesus coming back is going to ruin all of their plans. They're only on item five. Out of item, no, they got ten items on their bucket list. They only had one more investment until they became a millionaire. They're only this far away to finally get the tile laid in the bathroom. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. You know these people. Are they believers? Yes. Are they disciples? Not yet. Some people are excited about Jesus coming back because they're going to get to see grandma. More than they're excited about seeing Jesus. Man, I'm glad that you'll get to see grandma. But let me tell you something. Grandma ain't Jesus. And in the church, we, I just don't like that song. Do you know, I don't think you get to request songs in heaven. Well, I just thought it was a little loud. There's lightnings and thunderings around the throne. Going to be loud. 
Well, I just think that that other group has got it wrong. Jesus said, if they're not against you, they're for you. Did you know some of you are going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb and you're going to be sitting next to somebody? And you know, Jesus is going to, there's, there's wine at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Did you know that? Jesus is going to pour wine at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And some of you are going to discover in that moment that it wasn't unfermented. <laughs> oh, man, just, uh, we'll say more, un, we'll just say, this is so uncontroversial. I don't even know why that causes a reaction with people. I'm telling you the pettiness at which we argue about stuff. There's people that devote their whole lives on the internet to try to prove that Jesus drank unfermented wine than they do about actually going and proving the world that Jesus is on the inside of them. What a petty, ridiculous, religious thing to do. Spend their whole life fighting on a mountain of their opinion when Jesus was just wanting to release the truth of who he was on the inside of you. You don't drink wine, great, don't start. You do, let Jesus talk to you about it. Are you following me? It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Jesus is the one that matters. Christians, come quickly, Lord Jesus, so I can see grandma. No, 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 no. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, so that I can see face to face the one that my soul loves. And you know what? Grandma and grandpa and kids and grandkids and brothers and sisters, man, that'll be the icing on the cake. But I got news for you. They are not the cake. And I got news for you. They ain't even cake. There's just the bread and the wine. Jesus is the bread of life. Unless you eat him, you will always be hungry. And Jesus is the wine of God. Unless you drink that cup, you will always be thirsty. It won't matter if you get to item 10 on your bucket list. Won't matter if you finally figure out how to install the tile, Schluter and the tile. Jesus is the only one that satisfies. I'm here to tell you today the disciples are hungry and thirsty for one thing, Jesus. That's belief in the Son of God. Victory Life Chandler, I believe you're honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and are gonna decide to cling to it. Did you know we praise God for this leather-bound book? Mine's tiny, isn't it cute? (laughs) Leather-bound book. Did you know that the size of my Bible doesn't determine the size of my Jesus? Some of us, it's our relationship. I love that this is in the church a lot too. This is the, uh, you know, the Jesus, the Jesus and coffee people. Right. All I need is coffee and Jesus. Coffee and Jesus. And this is Jesus. Jesus is the equivalent of the uh, morning devotional book that's about this size and the cup of coffee. They're, for a lot of people, their Jesus is the size of their devotional book. And he's cute because he really doesn't care about important matters in your life. You open him up, you get your little word for the day. Get you a little coffee. And the cute little Jesus, man, you can just put him right here in your, in your pocket. Camera, it's like, remember the old Indian in the cupboard movie? Or Thumbelina? It's like Thumbelina Jesus. Just put him right there. He's so cute. Some of us, man, we love Jesus. We love baby Jesus. Why, right? Because baby Jesus doesn't care about you gossiping. Baby Jesus doesn't care about you losing your temper with your spouse. Baby Jesus doesn't care about you being stingy and greedy and treating the waitress like a second-class citizen. Do you know I'm talking to waitresses and waiters and they say to me and Durant that the worst group of people that they wait on is the after church crowd on Sunday? They said the people that order the drinks and get themselves loosened up and laughing tip more than the people that have just left church drinking the wine of God. Hmm. Thumbelina Jesus. 
Jesus Robbins, I call him sometimes. It's a, it's a mix of Tony Robbins and Jesus. He's my life coach. He's the one that tells me if I can dream it, I can do it. It's Jesus speaking the gospel of Disney. Believe your dreams. Believe in your heart and all things will go well. No, the Jesus I know and that I love is that of John 6. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no none of my life in you. And in John 6, this is where we find out because in John 6 this is what happens. Jesus does the presumption. The other Jesus that we love in the culture today is, is Taco Jesus. You know Taco Jesus? All I need is Jesus and tacos because Jesus is the, the equivalent to the dopamine hit that I get whenever I binge on four tacos because tacos make me feel good. And that's what Jesus does. He makes you feel good. Jesus with hot sauce. So there's devotional size Thumbelina Jesus, coffee Jesus. He sits right there on the coffee cup and warms his hands with us. And then there's taco Jesus who's just our dopamine rush for the morning. He's the equivalent of the notification on our Facebook that somebody liked what we had to say. Little, ooh, hit a dopamine. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. I love you. I'm blessed. Jesus loves me. I'm blessed. Did you know that that's true? Jesus does love you and you are blessed. And Jesus does want to minister to your heart and bless your life. But there's more to Jesus than just a list of that's, that you believe that Jesus is good, that you believe that Jesus wants to bless you. Did you also know that Jesus is worthy of sacrificing it all? Jesus is worthy of what the rich young ruler could not do. He said, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, oh, that's all you want? Well, just do what you're doing. Keep the law and the prophets. You're good. You're in. You're a good person. You're fine. Jesus is walking away from him. And the rich young ruler says, Lord, I've done this since I was a boy. And Jesus says, oh, you're ready to get out of the box. Okay, sell everything you've got and come after me. And the rich young ruler said he went away sorrowing in his heart because he had many possessions do you know what happened there didn't just have the possessions possessions had him see some people are content to be in the room with him last supper thing peter's in the room andrew's in the room there's some people content to be in the room with him but there's something about a john there's some people that are not just content to be in the room with him they want to be close enough to him that they can lay their head on his chest And I believe Jesus has room for all. And I believe that most people have repented enough. Did you know in the Greek, going back to Romans 12, 1, in the Greek, repentance is to change the way that you think. That's the connotation of what that means. Not to keep saying over and over again how sorry you are for your bad stuff, but it's to change the way that you think. And did you know most people, most Christians, have repented enough to get into the kingdom, but they haven't repented enough to see the kingdom. To experience the kingdom in every area of their life. Whatever area of your life you're not experiencing the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, is just the area of your life that you believe in something more than you believe in Jesus. It's just the area of your life that you love something more than you love Jesus. It's not a heaven or hell thing. It's just how much of him do you want? How many gifts do you want to unwrap? He didn't die just to forgive you. He died to make you glorious. How much of his glory do you want to be? Do you want to reveal? How much do you want your life to reflect him? How much do you want to walk in purpose? How much do you want to walk in his presence and in his power? It's not a heaven or hell thing. It's just about how much of him you want. John chapter six, and then we will close because I feel the seriousness of the room and we need to move into a time of response. John 6, 
This is Jesus' famous statement. I love it. Verse 60, many disciples desert Jesus. That's a, that's a scary thing. Jesus has just got done saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm not in you. And the crowds left, the crowds that had been there for the miracle of the multiplication of bread. And Jesus said, you've come for the bread, not to see the signs, but you've come because I filled your belly. How many of you know Jesus can draw a crowd? He will. And the crowds leave this day. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard thing to understand. How can anyone accept this? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to this, does this offend you? He said, then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascended to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. I'm in verse 63. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. 65. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. 66 now. At this point, many, the crowds have already left, left, but listen to this. In 66, something profound happens. The crowds have left. The all I need is coffee and Jesus, all I need is tacos and Jesus people have left. And now in verse 66, there's some disciples, some committed ones. They're still hanging on. They're with him because he's blowing up their box and he's saying some radical stuff. They're still hanging on. But then at this point, after he talks a little bit more to the disciples in John 6, 66, it says this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12. I don't know about you, man, but I just think that it's possible for us to be crazy enough to be in the 12. I just want to be crazy enough to be in the 12. I'm growing. Are you growing? And Jesus turned to the 12 and said, are you also going to leave? Man, I love Jesus because he's not controlling it all. Did you know with Jesus, there's always an option? Religion won't give you an option. Jesus will always give you an option. You know, Jesus will fill your belly if you're hungry. Jesus will let you understand as much of the mystery as you want. But they will eventually get to a place that Jesus says, if you're going to be with me at the level of this next season, if you're going to walk with me to the level that I want with you now, then I got to tell you this thing. And he'll turn to you and say, are you still in? He said, are you going to go too? And Simon Peter said, man, if I read this on the right day, I'll cry. I don't know if today's that day. Simon Peter replied and said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. I don't know about you, but I think that the target for us in this season as a church is to not just be content to be in the room with him, but to say, you know what, if, if the John seat's available, I think I want to lean into that and I think I want to put my head on your chest. I think I want to hear the heartbeat of God. I think maybe there's something on the table that Jesus would say, man, I, I think that there can be a company of people that have a Peter cry on the inside of them. Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life and we have seen and known You're the Holy One of God. I believe that there would be a move from what it means to totally step out of lukewarmness in this day and age and say, you know what, God, I am terrified to go all in on you, but you know what? I know my fear can only die in you. So I can stand on the fringe and live terrified or I can go all in and actually experience that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind a renewed mind 
But to connect this back to the beginning, I love when the Lord does this, especially when I don't have a plan. You want a sound mind? You want a renewed mind? You got to give him everything. People come to me all the time. Pastor Zach, I need a move of God in my life. I need God to touch everything. My marriage is in the toilet. My house is still don't have the tile done in the bathroom and everything's falling apart in my life. I said, well, man, that's awesome. How, how much life do you want to change? All of it. I need a complete overhaul. I need a renovation of the heart. I need all the change. So oh, that's awesome. Then you just have to give it all to Jesus. That's where they dry the eyes real quick. All of it? Oh, yeah, all of it. What do you mean? Oh, all of it. All of it. Music you listen to? Yeah, give it to him. you keep yeah give it to him you said you want it all changed you got to give it all well there's nothing wrong no 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 no. before you say there's nothing wrong just stop a minute just have you ever put it on the altar before no no i know but that's religious oh well just put that on the altar too you thinking it's religious put it on the altar well no no all means all St. Francis is quoted as saying that a man's not truly free until he's surrendered even the purse of his opinions. Well, God doesn't care about that. I don't, how do you know? Have you ever asked him? Well, God knows. I mean, my, he's my buddy. Last I read, Jesus said, I don't come to bring peace but a sword. I come to separate even children from parents at times. You know, some relationships have to die so that you can live a new level in him. Well, he wouldn't care about that. He, he doesn't care. I, I, uh, well, I don't know if he does or he doesn't. Put it on the altar. We'll find out. But Lord, this is my life. Ah, oh, there it is. This is, your, this is my life. Finish it. This is my life. That's the confusion. No, no, no. For disciples, it's in him that we live very being that's the thing about it is there's something else that you find life in and you've been limited on experiencing eternal life so you know, pastor zach eternal life's when you live forever in heaven no it's not the bible never says that gospel of john says that this is eternal life knowing god and jesus christ whom he has sent eternal life is a life of being known by God and Him knowing you. So what's your level of life that you're experiencing? How much of Him you want to know? And how much of you you want Him to know? You can be in the room. That's cool. He loves that you're in the room. Jesus is so... Let me just tell you really quick. Jesus loves that you're in the room. And the only reason you're in the room is because He invited you there. But I'm just saying, if there's a John seat open... And if you would look, just, just for a minute, if you would look, and if he would make eye contact with you for a moment and say, this, you're in the room, but this seat's open. I just believe there'd be a few crazy people in the room today, maybe watching on Facebook Live and say, you know what, that seat's open. I, I think I'd like to try it out. I think I'd like to know what that feels like. Because, man, I, I need transformation in every area of my life. Salvation is such a beautiful thing. Did you know, man? Man, I love, I, I can tell you, at nine years old, I remember it perfectly, walking that altar in the Free Will Baptist Church. Praise God, it was free will because I got a choice. That was awesome. And I wasn't just predestined. It was free will. I could come to the front and make a decision for Christ. And I remember, how many of you got saved at Just As I Am playing? Oh, that's the best way to get saved. Just as I am. It's an awesome, beautiful song. 
more people get saved if we played in church still. But people came to the front. I was in the group. I meant it with all my heart, with all my life. And you know, salvation is such a beautiful thing. I'm so glad it happened for me at nine. But let me be honest with you. I need saved every day. Oh, I need Jesus every day. I'm here to tell you that in John 6, he says, your ancestors lived off the manna in the wilderness and they died. He said, but I am the bread that came down to heaven. Did you know Jesus got fresh baked bread for you every day? You don't have to be a prepper in the kingdom of God. You don't have to store up yesterday's manna. There's always spiritual food. There's stuff that you should be wise to prepare for in the natural. I'm talking about spiritual things. There's nothing that you need to put back in the kingdom of God. His mercies are new every morning. There's fresh bread on the table every day. Do you know why? Because he's the one that's in charge of his table. Church isn't in charge of his table. You're not in charge of his table. He's Lord of the church and Lord of the table. And if you'll come to him every day, you can experience a fresh baptism of his spirit every day. You can experience the nutrient richness of feasting on his flesh every day. Jesus is so good, I would tell you that you should have him every day. That you should invite him in afresh and anew every day. That you should make your body a living sacrifice every day. Oh Lord, today's a fresh day to lay myself down again and may this aroma be pleasing to you today. God, what do you want to burn up in my life today? You know, God never burns anything up unless he's preparing you for a greater blessing. And God never takes anything out of your hand unless he's making room to put something better in it. But the reason that we don't let go and the reason that we don't give in is because we just are okay at whatever level of trust we currently are. Man, great job, Greg. Great job this morning saying, you know what? I'm going to go in another level. You know what you experienced on the other side of that? On the other side of that shakiness, did you experience joy? Did you experience freedom? Did you experience the ability to say, man, I feel cleaner because I made a decision to just let Jesus in at another level? Oh, man. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Jesus stands at the door waiting for another area of our life to be opened up. And man, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a God that we have in Jesus. So why don't we just respond to what he's doing? doesn't matter. I don't need to know what that is. Maybe some of you need to respond to him for the first time. Maybe somebody's never made a decision for Christ. That's awesome. You can make that decision right now in your heart. You say, Jesus, I've just given you myself. I don't. I know that I can't do it my way. I, I know that I need you. Some of you walk with the Lord longer than I've been alive. And Jesus is asking you the same thing he's asking me. Surrender. Just go ahead and lay it down. Well, he wouldn't care about that. Well, let's see if he does. Put it on the altar. Whatever, living sacrifice. Oh, what a beauty to be a living sacrifice for Him. What a beauty to say, Lord, I look at your sacrifice. You didn't hold anything back from me. I'm gonna give it all up for you. I think I think I'm gonna put my personality on the altar today. It's good to know about myself, it's good to know the way that God's wired me, but God's able to work in me way more than I can understand. I'm not going to live in idolatry to my personality and excuse away the stands for God that I'm supposed to be taking the way that God wants to use me because I'm just this type of person. No, 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 no. I'm a royal priest and a son of the living God. And however God wants to use me, He can use me. I think some of us 
us today would just make a decision. Say, you know what, Lord Jesus, you can just put me on like a glove. You can just fill every area of my life. Let's just get into a posture prayer. Heads bowed, eye closed. If that's you today and you know, you just need to become another level of what it means to be a living sacrifice. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart because that's where God's already working. When you put your hand on your heart, you're agreeing with what God's already doing. You're not starting a work that he hasn't started. You're just saying, Lord, I believe that you're already working in me. So I'm just agreeing with the work. Father, I thank you for hands on hearts today. I don't have my eyes open or my glasses on. I don't even know who's all got their hands on their heart. God, but you do. And this isn't about me. It's about you. And I've said as imperfectly whatever you perfectly wanted to say. And I pray today, Father, that with hands on our hearts, mine included, that we just say, you know what? Lord, would you show us where where in our life we just believe that? And would you shift us right now by the Holy Spirit into what it means to believe in you at another level? Would you help us open up our hands that are clenched out of fear? And say, Lord, yeah, you, I, I can put that on the altar for you today. I can put that relationship there. I can put that pastime there. I can put that lack of discipline there. I can put, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to put it all up there. I need you to show up in every area of my life. Mold me and shape me. I'm the clay. You're the potter. I don't want to just be spinning on the wheel. I want your hands around me, God. If that John seat's open, I think I'll take it today. And I've been tempted to be like the disciples that left you that day, God. But today, I just want to be a Peter. I want to say, I'm all in. If you're crazy, I'm crazy too. I've sold the farm. I've burned the plow. I, I, can't, I, I don't know where to go back to. I'm so lost. I want to be so lost in you, God, that I don't even remember how to get back to where I was. I want to be another level of what it means to be a follower followers don't know where they're going you're leading lord i don't know where you're going but god i know it's better than where i've been would you take me with you i want to see your glory i want to see your goodness in the land of the living i don't want anything left on the table that you have for me oh jesus would you love me today oh jesus would you flow through me today in a greater way I really feel by the spirit that we're supposed to pray over these girls on the front row. Can I take just a minute? You guys, will you stand up? I think there's something really special about this, specifically in front of a congregation of people for these, and they're all girls. I love girls. I have four of them myself. But I pray over each of you, and I feel the Lord um, has a prophetic word over each of you. I don't know any of you. So this is going to be a time for people in this congregation to almost stand and say, yes, I edify that. So I'm going to ask you your name. And then I just, I really believe I want to speak a word over you. Are you all okay with that? I'm putting you on the spot. You're all leading from this front, which I think is very special. Um, and so I just want to pray for you. What's your name? Emery. Father, if you'll just extend a hand to these, these girls and you just pray, if you... You, you pray in the Spirit. You just pray into that. You're speaking a blessing over them. Father, I speak over Emory right now. It's Emory, right? I thank you, Father, that there is a special anointing on her. 
I just feel by the Spirit the Lord said over you, Emery, that today you've been you've been um, you've been hungering, and I almost just feel you've been in your bedroom and you're pursuing the right things. That even when other people around you are doing things, you've stayed the course and you said, God, whenever the wind blows, I'm sticking with you. And I just sense over you, you have just a compassionate heart. There's a meekness in you. There's a, there's a quietness, but that doesn't mean that you're weak. Meekness is not weakness. And I thank you, Father, for the gentleness. I just see you um, sitting on a front porch and you playing with like little animals and you just spending time in the quiet whenever everybody else is running around playing with friends you tend to just kind of sit by yourself and I just feel the Lord saying that he's with you in every moment you are not broken he did not make you wrong that you have a call you have a purpose Emory and Father I just thank you by your Holy Spirit that you have made her to be a leader and she will lead with boldness. She will lead with the strength. And when everybody else is running off, she sees the one that's left. She sees the one that's at the end of the line. And I thank you, God, for expanding her heart of compassion and prophetically calling her to the front that she leads with such humility and people will follow. She is a good leader. And you have equipped her with talent and with a heart to push things forward that other people have forgotten. She sees the forgotten. And I thank you for reminding her that, God, when she feels like she's an outcast or when she doesn't fit, God didn't make you to fit. God made you to stand out and to be noticed because his heart in you will lead with such compassion and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you guys agree? Yes. Okay, what's your name? Tatum. Father, I thank you for this fiery, red-headed woman of God. I thank you that there is a strength. I just see the Father saying over you, Tatum, that you are a servant, that you notice things, that there is a, a fast pace to you, that there's this energy to you, but you see things that other people often don't see. I just almost feel the Lord saying in this campus that you have an eye for excellence that you will start to see things. And adults in this room, I need you to hear me when I say notice what they are noticing. They have an eye for detail and an eye for things that you don't have at times. And I thank you, God, that with the right leaders around her, she's going to go far. I thank you that she will not try to do things in and of her own strength or to bypass the wisdom of her elders. But I thank you that she submits herself to your presence, your leadership, Jesus. And as she does that, she is just catapulted into a new level of, of identity and purpose. I thank you for the things that she puts her hands to prospering that she is the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that she is blessed in her coming, she is blessed in her going. And I thank you, God, for the things that you have on the inside of her. I just sense that you just are a worshiper at heart. And the Father saying those quiet moments of worship when it's just you and Him will actually be the thing that um, you lead people in. I don't know if you're, uh, you're on the worship team or what you do, but I just sense the Lord saying that you don't, don't forget that you're a worshiper in your in your time alone and because of that you can lead people into 
those places. That worship happens for you in the quiet places with just the Father, but you can lead people into your quiet places corporately, and there's a freedom in that. And so, God, I thank you that if that's um, whatever she does, instruments or singing or writing, that she is a heart of a worshiper. And those fields, just like David worshipped, then he defeated Goliath because he was comfortable in his worship with the Father in private that he set apart that time. And I thank you, God, for in Tatum, there being a tenacity for the presence of God, a tenacity for his spirit, and that changes things. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys agree with that? Yes. Cammie. Father, I thank you for Cammie. I thank you, God. There is just this grit about her. There's a wildness about her. There's a freedom about her. I just see the Father saying, you're always like barefoot. Are you have shoes on right now? You have shoes on right now. You're barefoot. I just see you like running barefoot with a, like a dirty face because you're eating ice cream. <laughs> That's what I see. There's just this freedom about you, Cammie. And there's this, um, this unbridled, like just, I just want to have fun, adventure. So God, I thank you that you have people around her to lead her the right way because this adventure in and of her own strength can get her into a lot of trouble. But in partnership with your Holy Spirit, you're going to lead her, allow her to lead people into the unknown. She is a pioneer. She is clearing paths. She's willing to do the hard things whenever other people aren't. She's willing to step up and to be a voice whenever other people are quiet. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're leading her even now. You're leading and guiding her into all truth. I thank you that the things on the inside of her that excite her or bring life, I just see you sitting at a table and like reading and and um, and hearing things and doing science experiments and seeing things and, and just finding, oh, I really enjoy that. I feel the Lord saying, Cammy, over you, that you're going to go through seasons where you learn a bunch of different things, but that isn't in vain because you're going to lead people in a bunch of different ways. And so, God, I thank you that she is a leader. And I thank you that this year is not just a school year of, um, of learning of knowledge, but I thank you that you've invested her into this church, into this ministry, under this covering, because she is learning about your spirit and she's learning this year. You're going to, I just sense by the end of the school year, you're going to be a different person. Like you're learning things in wisdom, but the father's downloading things to your heart and that this is going to be a huge year of growth for you. That this moment today is a defining moment into your heart and into your life of God. You called me out. You called me out out of a church full of people. And I remember that time where you said I was important. I have the gift of leadership and you've called me to lead. You've called me to lead with adventure and with excitement and fun. But I thank you for a love of the word that she is a woman of the word young and she finds a solid foundation in your word as she leads and pioneers through adventure and freedom. She is free and unrestrained wild and at times that's hard to parent so god give grace to her parents give grace to her grandparents give grace to this church to lead those full of adventure but i thank you with that heart they will go far into the unknown into seeing your kingdom manifest on this earth as it is in heaven in jesus name amen do we agree with this yes Thank you, Father, for Claire. I just thank you for the sweetness of her life, that she is a pleasing aroma of heaven. 
is she is just, I just sense over you, Claire, that you are just like a garden. And there have been so many good things planted into your heart. You have been loved well. And I thank you, God, that her garden will continue to produce good fruit. I thank you for the friend that she is, that she is a good friend. The Bible says if you want to have friends, prove yourself friendly. And I thank you that Claire is friendly. There's a sweetness to her. There's just a, a love. She's just a, um, I just, I just sense just a lover, just like a come give you a hug and hang on type of hug. Um, you're reminding me a lot of my youngest and just like there's, when she gives you a hug, you feel love. And I thank you, God, that Claire is that type of friend that when you give hugs, Claire, it, it, you're sharing the love of Jesus. I thank you for the heart of the evangelist that's on the inside of her, that wherever she goes, the love of the Father will be shed abroad in hearts, that by giving hugs or by smiling, she's actually ministering your kingdom, Father, on this earth. And I thank you as she grows older, she does not grow cold to that, but she leans into your love into her heart and into her mind, knowing every person she encounters, she's sharing Jesus. And I thank you for it, Father, and a fresh outpouring of love, more encounter, more love shed into her heart that she is loved by you. You're healing all, all thoughts, anything that is contrary to that. I thank you that that is submitted to the, the truth of Jesus, that she is loved. She is a child of yours and she will serve you all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Flynn's here. And what's your name? Mila. Mila? Oh, Mila. I was going to say it wrong. Mila. Thank you, Father, for sweet, sweet Mila. Thank you, God, that you love her. That you, I just, I see you playing sports and just being really good at things. You're fast. You can, you can run. That you're good at things that you do. I just see you almost drawing pictures. Like you're doing a lot of things and you're really good at them. God, I thank you for the natural gifts, even on this earth that you've given her. And I to see things, a heart to hear things. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just a, um, a fresh download. I thank you that the things that she's not good at in the natural, that you're giving even her a grace to learn. She's a learner. She's a studier. As she gets older, I just sense just a, 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 a almost this uh, writing ability that the Lord says to you, Mila, as you're hearing him, as you're listening to him, you're just going to have a download of thoughts and you're supposed to start writing it down. You, you need to have a dream book with you. And you keep this close to you. And as you have a thought, you write it down on the paper. And later on, I just sense your friends coming up and saying, hey, you know what? I need help in this. And the Lord just saying, he's given you a solution. That's a solutionary. You keep his word in your heart and you write things down. And so, God, I thank you for just, she's a drawer of people. People are going to be drawn to her for the rest of her life. And they're going to pull from her. I thank you that she produces good fruit. And that good fruit is is full of your love and your kindness and, and your hope. I thank you. She's a carrier of hope. That she, I just sense, goes far. I, I know that you, I just sense that. And I'm not telling you that you have to do this, but I just sense that there's going to be a time where you're sent out. And there's going to be a time where you run. That the Lord's saying that he's called you to be a disciple. And disciples go into all the world. And they make more disciples. And so, Father, I thank you that if that's a desire of her to go, 
to maybe to different nations. I thank you now that she has that in front of her, that everything that she does is from a place of, God, what are you doing? That she hears your voice, that she sees your face early, early, early. Every adult in this room can attest to the fact of when you see Jesus, everything changes. And so I thank you that these girls, these ladies of this house encounter Jesus early that they hear his voice, they see his face, and they they are a vehicle of transformation for this city, that the children will lead them. And I thank you, Father, for Mila hearing your voice, knowing you early, and serving you all the days of her life, that she sees the plan that you have for her early, the commission early. She does not get distracted, and she stays the course with focus and with excitement of what you're doing. So Father, over all of the children of this house, I just speak freedom, excitement, and expectancy of partnering with you early, what that unlocks for them. This is a house of missionaries, is what I keep feeling. Missionaries to surrounding communities, to this community, to the nations. And I thank you for that type of leadership. Women and men of wisdom and excitement that lead these children that aren't business as usual. That isn't just about the good old days, but are about the good days to come. When they are released with freedom and excitement of what they get to partner with you, Father, on doing in this earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is open. And we receive what you're doing with expectant hearts to see them run, to be released into the things that you've created them for. We will not hold them back or restrain them, but we will teach them with wisdom and with your word, with your Holy Spirit to commission them into what God has for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand? I just want to take an opportunity to speak a blessing over you. And, uh, man, just receive this over your life. May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. You are loved and you're blessed. Man, thanks for being at Victory Life Chandler today. That's awesome.